Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today, I am really pleased to have with me on the line Steve Pakras. Steve is the CEO and founder of Verblio, a content creation platform for over 60 verticals. With over 25 years of experience in the startup space, Steve decided to make it easier for content creators to find content by hiring only top writers in their field and pairing them with the clients in need of that content. Using the strategy of hiring for innate talent and character traits, this allowed Verblio to flourish and serve direct clients and agencies alike. When looking to scale your business, using a proven hiring process will be the push that will propel you further than the competition. We're going to deep dive into this today. Steve, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. It's an absolute pleasure. So I'm really curious, first of all, to break down a little bit of some of that startup experience that the intro alludes to, right? So you've been in the technology space for a while. And by looking at your offer and looking at your website, it seems that you guys have, you know, a pretty solid foundation to draw from. Can you please take a few minutes and just walk me through your experience and what makes you so amazing? <laughs> um I'll do the first part about walking me through my experience. The so the first part of my career was actually in nonprofits. So I actually worked in, I became really passionate about community development finance institutions. So basically, how do you take disruptive concepts in finance and apply them to community develop to give people more opportunities for housing, for uh, employment? And I did that in various places in the United States of doing affordable housing investment, how do you understand the most deep layer of risk in an affordable housing so you can enable a project to happen that otherwise wouldn't? How do you build large pools of funds from investors who are not interested in them, but make it so it appeals to them so they would want to invest more assets into it? And then finally, I actually worked in Brazil. I, um, I moved to Brazil and worked for the community, or well, uh, it's the the Community Development Bank of Brazil, basically on their micro lending programs. So the concept here was, there's a few things that flow through to the rest of my experience. One is take disruptive concepts that work in one in one area and apply them to another to become effective, which I've heard, I've read this is the number one way to win a Nobel Prize is if you take something something that was innovative in someone else's field and apply it to a different, that's where most Nobel Prize winners come from. So I think a lot of startups do this too. The second is find a passion-filled business. So the great thing about nonprofits is you're always thinking about your end user. The worst thing is you have very few resources, so you don't get to develop them. But having something that just moves you that's bigger than yourself, which is a bigger spirit, Make it part of your life and you're going to enjoy your work more. So I got my MBA at Kellogg after that in 2000, 2002. I graduated, 
Oh, Kellogg was ranked, I don't know, number one, two in the world at the year for business times. And I was, you know, one of the few nonprofits. So I didn't really know what other business opportunities were like. And I was unemployed for nine months. We had the least amount of hired alumni in the entire history of Kellogg that year. And somehow I, so I tried myself in big corporate America, working for financial institutions, thinking I need to develop these finance skills so I can do my broader view of working internationally in community development finance. And the field just didn't want me. It just wasn't the right time to be doing that. I had lived in the late 90s in San Francisco and missed the whole tech boom while working in nonprofits. So nailing trends is not my gift. You might listen to some of my other advice instead of that. I worked in big corporate America and what I learned there was I worked for HSBC's subprime credit card lending division, which I thought was just a complete bitter pill to swallow. I'd have to work for the man and be miserable, but I developed these skills, blah, blah, blah. I was very... I still have quite the do-gooder spirit. I love that job. And there's a couple of things about that job that I love that flew through too, which is one is if you work for an amazing team, it really depends a lot less. So if you can combine an amazing team with something you're passionate about with resources, then you're in a really good spot. And that's what I found at my next company, LiveOps. So in 2004, I was part of a really innovative pioneering company in Marketplace SaaS. We had a network of 20,000 home-based call center agents. We were on a cloud call center platform that could route to any individual's house, any individual call based on the performance that they had done on any one of those programs. And it grew. It was a bunch of the original Netscape team. We had two of the first eight Netscape guys. The chief operating officer of eBay became our CEO, yada, 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 big Silicon Valley. Like This is what happens when you find a business model that's innovative. You apply unique freelancer talent to it and a technology platform, you can really scale beyond anything you can drive. So What I picked up from that is my job there was I ended up as the VP of business development and strategy. I innovated new businesses that you could build with that combination. Marketplace of freelancer talent, highly curated, uh, SaaS technology platform, highly innovative business model that's focused on marketplace dynamics. And with that, you can deliver unique quality at scale for so many different businesses. When I was, and then I was lucky 10 plus years later, I bopped around a few other startups. The problem with Being successful at your first startup is you think all of them are going to be successful and great. And then you slowly learn that this is not true. So I I had five, five that did not make it that route. And I was very lucky to be offered the CEO position when I moved to Denver by a company that had followed LiveOps, my previous company, built a similar model for writers doing marketplace SEO content, which is what Verblio does. And I took over this position about six years from the founders and we've We've grown about 600% during that time as a bootstrap company and created 120,000 pieces of unique articles per year for our mostly digital marketer clients. What an amazing story. (laughs) A common denominator about everything that you were talking about there was being in the service of people, Mm. being in the service of talent and connecting that talent to the right type of clients. Because sometimes talented people are not necessarily marketers, right? They don't necessarily know how to propel themselves very good. And that's really what the, what these marketplaces do for, you know, do for us, right? Is that they provide this venue that you could be living on a farm, you know, somewhere far away from everyone else and still be insanely profitable and still do good work and really be truly location independent you know, all that stuff, you know, you're able to to design your own lifestyle. You're able to design, you know, like the type of product that you want to give to the world. And also it allows you to be incredibly specialized. So I love that your career has been focused around 
that kind of process, right? Of really enabling people to be connected in the ways where they are most useful and the ways that they've been called to serve. So thank you so much for that. I wanted to shift gears for a second and talk a little bit about that talent, right? When you have that kind of that kind of person who is engaging in your marketplace. So one of the things you told me about on our pre-call is uh, you, Verblio doesn't necessarily hire the writers. It's just a marketplace to put people together and connect, for example, people who write insanely great financial articles with insanely great financial companies that need those types of writers, right? What are some of the traits that you need to know about and go through and some of the processes in order to really ensure that you're hiring the correct people for the correct job? Got it. So I'll, so I'm planning to talk about kind of hiring for my company as opposed to bringing on freelancer writers. Is that good? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Because I want, I want to hear, first of all, about how you do it internally. And then also what other businesses should be doing as well to take that actionable advice and apply it to their processes, right? Because sometimes, you know, as an entrepreneur, I used to look at uh, resumes and be like, oh, this person graduated from Kellogg or from Harvard. They must be an insanely great writer. And guess what? They're not, you know, (laughs) and you sort of learn that the hard way, right? And it's like, you know, wait a second, they looked good on paper. Right. But how do you figure out whether this person is really going to be a true asset to your company or whether they're going to be dragging you down? Right. So, you know, I'd like for you to riff off of, you know, some of those things. Cool. How do you look at talent and how do you make sure that you're making the right hiring decision? Got it. Super happy to. I think about it all the time. I think it's my number one purpose as a CEO is to focus on the people. I know everybody says that, but it's really when you look at people's calendars is you can figure out what they really stand for and where they allocate their time. And I really do. The I think about hiring as our most in a very similar way to our sales and marketing process. It is you have to target the right people who are going to be the right fit for you, your classic ICP type of strategy. You have to message them correctly in a way that really responds to them and appeals. You have to create a funnel that brings them in and slowly not only figures out who you want to meet with, but you need to evangelize and win over the target clients you want the most. And then once you come on board, the hire doesn't start there. It's not like you won the you won the deal. You have to be thinking about your onboarding process with those new hires and how they're going to attract more in the exact same way that you would with onboarding new clients. And so if it works, I'll talk to you a little bit about how we think of each of those. Yeah, I would love to because I think the whole idea of a hiring funnel is actually pretty novel, right? Because most people are just like, well, I'll just post a job description on Indeed and see what happens. But that's not necessarily the case. That's like, that's literally throwing, you know, the throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks. You don't want to do that. Like you really want to attract the right people instead of just buckshotting the whole thing. How does that look in your space? Well, I totally agree. So think about this. So you, so most companies put together, they put the head of people, the head of HR in charge of the recruiting process. So here's a person who's like, whose skill set is very diverse. There's a lot going on. They're in charge of the culture. They're in charge of benefits packages, charge of goal setting, things like this. This is a part-time job. Your marketing person is in charge of attracting the right talent, getting them to you and bringing them in. So we have our head of marketing deeply involved in the recruiting process and basically is a co-partner. So the first thing we do is we define who is that, who's our target. And so it depends on what type of client or what type of a company you are. If you're venture capital backed, so a lot of my competitors are, we're not. So I have to be really picky in what I do because I can't win by offering the biggest package. 
but I can win by figuring out who is going to be the most successful at our company and make our clients and us the most successful. So we, our first is uh, on our ICP side, who do I identify as our target market? We hire for traits over experience. And that's really important. We made a very strong, put the flag in the ground. And what that means is we are looking for curiosity. We are looking for figure it out yourself. Quirkiness is a really big part of our brand. The more quirky you are and the more you'll fit in with the rest. And you'll also make our brand as inviting as we are. And we look for people who are people first. I'm really looking for somebody. I would rather have you have done a customer service job where you at the front lines getting berated by the public for two years. So you know what it's like to be on the other end than I would have somebody with a fancy degree who's never done it before. So a few things happen. One is that builds a culture that attracts more great people just like it. And the second is I'm not paying top rate for somebody who has the experience but might not fit on the culture side. And I think this is where a lot of companies make the sacrifice you sacrifice on culture, it affects the rest of the energy of the company and you become less productive. So I'll stop there before I go into phase two, which is how do you actually message them? You know, what's interesting about what you're talking about is I've experienced that a number of times. Uh, You know, you bring on a project manager and then they just end up poisoning, you know, the motivation of the other people that are working for them. And these other people, you know, like whether they're, you know, like content writers, social media creators, you know, like graphic designers, whatever, if they don't feel valued and if they don't feel wanted, and then you have this person coming in and, you know, just creating a toxic culture that can really topple your business, right? If you're not careful, if you're not really looking at those numbers and at those traits, oh my God, that, that could be such a disaster. And, it, and it's almost like a slow moving train wreck, you know, as you're watching that happen. And if you don't take action on it, like as quick as possible, you know, like I've seen a lot of people, you know, uh, hire slow, but fire fast. Right. And that's one of the things that it's like, well, yeah, but how do you hire slow? Do you just sit there and wait for the right person? Wait for someone to come in with the right personality? As you said, I mean, you know, one of the things that came to mind and I just wanted to ask your opinion on are those personality tests. You know, like those MBTI things and those disc assessments and things like that. I was curious, does your organization use any of those or do you, or do you guys swing, you know, at your own speed on that? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, so just riffing with you on the, I'll, I'll riff just a little bit more before I answer your question, which is the number one trait that I ask my team to look for that they're looking for as well is, did the person that I'm interviewing give me more energy by the end of our discussion than they took away? And if you're constantly wow. building a team that gives you more energy, then you have a company that progressively gets better. And the second you make that compromise higher and you're like, yeah, this person will do the job. Oh my God, does everyone feel it? I do not believe in personality tests. I do not think they add any relevance, any importance whatsoever. I think answering that question about, did they give me energy is 10 times more powerful than that. I love it. You know, I'd never heard anyone talk about it in that sense. And really what you're looking for when you're doing that interview or you're passing that person off to your different department heads, VPs and all that is that, you know, you really do want to make sure that a, everyone has, you know, buy-in, but you're right. You know, if that energy just isn't there and they didn't clearly knock it out of the park, that could be a red flag. And I think it's always better to forego that red flag. And just like, you know, something I'm thinking I'm going to pass on this. There's just something that's just not right where if you do pull the trigger and make the decision for other reasons, I have a, my schedule is beyond full, you know, you really could be setting yourself up, you know, for a problem. And that's something none of us really wants to do. Two. Uh, cool. Should I talk about targeting and messaging? So this is, yes, I would love to hear them. This is my favorite part. 
So one of the ways that Verblio sets itself apart, which is something I've done for most of my career and I think is easy for any company to do that really cares, that will attract you much better talent, is to be really thoughtful marketing and personality forward in your job descriptions. And so my top copywriter who writes all of our brand messaging, which is witty and fun. And if you go to Verblio's website, which I'll send to you at the end, if you're not laughing at least two to three times per page and learning, then you're doing something wrong. And I want that same thing for every job description. I've basically said uh, the flag in the ground I've put is I want to be, I want to laugh three times by the end of a job description. I want to want to do this job, no matter where it is in my company, make that happen. And so we've done things like, So uh, I'll just give you a quick example. So we're hiring for our first full-time head of people right now, which is really interesting as I talk about this as a category. We've had a great, amazing part-time leader for for many years. And my copywriter told me, she said, I don't want to work on this assignment. I hate HR. I hate everything about it. When I have to talk to HR, it means I'm in trouble. It means I have to fill out a form. It means I have to put in goals. It means I'm behind. And I said, why don't you write this like you're writing for the company? What's our dream? And so she started off, it says, hi, I'm Annika, I'm our copywriter. I've written every piece of, I am the brand mother of this company. This position is about as important to me as anything I've ever hired for. I need someone to make this culture more interesting and more fun as we go because we have something really special. Is that something you're interested in? Here's things that it might appeal to you. If you say yes to any of these, write us back. Who uh, That's going to attract who I want to talk to. And that is going to turn off a lot of the people who are really looking for that stodgy, rigid, you know, corporate environment, you know, something safe, because I think the vibe that you put out there with that kind of job description is we are not just going to hire you based off of good looks or good paycheck, Mm -hmm. right? We are definitely going to be hiring you based off of, you know, you're sort of alluding to that energy. You're alluding to that, you know, like the type of people that you want to work with. And I think it's a wonderful way to start out. What kind of responses have you gotten? Like once you put that out there, right. For, you know, for people to read, like, how does that look on the receiving end? When you, when people start answering it, do they, do they respond in kind? Do you get yes. a lot of people that just send out their same old tired cover letter? How does that look? Oh my God. It makes receiving the cover letter so fun. People get really into it. They're like, Oh my, this is, these are fun people who want me to be my true authentic funny self. And they, uh, they riff with us all over the place. Uh, if, if you go to our website, if you look up all of our person of, of our personal profiles, one of the things we have is our favorite word. So my favorite word is hootenanny. And the number of people who write back and send in their favorite word or their top three or quote, which ones that are there is truly amazing. It starts a real conversation. You get to know someone deeply ahead of where you're finding the right people. You're finding your appeal to your audience or the people that you want to appeal to. Think of it from a marketing perspective as opposed from an HR perspective. What have you seen as the net benefit of going through that whole process? You write this really great job description. You bring in a few people that, you know, increase that energy, you know, like as you're talking to them. Let's talk a little bit about short-term after the hire. How does that look then in your space when, you know, like you finally bring these people in, you introduce them to the rest of the team. How does that like increase morale? How does that uh, increase productivity? What does that look like when people, when new people come in? So first of all, we're able to attract talent faster than we ever would before. We are not having talent challenges. We have grown from 12 people to 50 people really quickly. There's some positions that are rough to get it, but we're not seeing the same thing. Most importantly, We have not had a leadership position like turnover on my leadership team ever, four or five years of the nine people on the team. This is kind of unheard of stuff. These people attract more people, they refer it out. So 
that's kind of like the ability to find talent, keep talent. That's about as most the most important thing on productivity as possible. You feel the energy. So the interesting thing about culture and productivity is it's very similar to brand. Like these are the two most important competitive advantages that you can have as a business. And they're the most hard to measure as far as ROI for every single action that you take. Um, similar to our discussion about podcasts that we had earlier. Like the less, I think Rand Fishkin has a comment or has a statement, which is there's an inverse correlation between the power of a marketing channel and your ability to measure it. And I think that's true for people and productivity as well. I'm sure we could measure things like speed of time through the funnel, how long they last and all of those type of things. But the place that I feel it the most is I do a one-on-one with every single person in my company at least once a quarter. I've been one of my kind of people first, how do I stay in touch with the company, especially as it's going? And I, I also want to know everybody. I think that's a worthy investment of time over sales, over product, over anything else I could do. And when I talk to the new hires after three months, I ask them, what's the most surprising thing about joining Verblio? You knew a lot about us ahead of time. And I'll talk a little bit about the hiring process if I have time to. And I love getting the response of the culture is even better than I thought. The people are even better than I thought. I'm thrilled to be here. And that gets me psyched up and I get more energy for it. And I can only imagine what that does from the rest. I love that. You know, it's like, and this isn't just about bring your dog to work day. (laughs) You know, yeah, you know, because that's been tried, you know, or catering on Fridays, you know, things like that. I let's just say I've been through more than a few office space type scenarios, right? You know, for those that don't know, you know, like Office Space is this iconic American movie that just talks about all of the bad things that can happen in an office, right? I, I remember watching that thing, and it's just like, oh my god, I went through like 15 of those. Right. And it is, it becomes so toxic because it just brings you down, you know, and that's why I tell people all the time, like I am now 14 years since my last job and I am certified unemployable just based off of this experience. (laughs) Right. And it's just because I have this violent allergic reaction. It's like, I would rather shoot myself than to have to get in my car, drive a half an hour and go sit at, you know, some battleship gray cube for eight, nine hours. It's like, there's like, I can't think of a bigger form of torture. That said, I have been incredibly blessed to be able to create that kind of uh, the environment that I like, you know, for myself as well. One of the things, especially before COVID that I did was I would do something very similar to you. I would travel to go meet with these freelancers Mm. that I'm working with. And that's taken me to some really interesting places. You know, like I had a development team in, in Santa Fe, Argentina, and that was great. I got to meet them and I had a paid ads manager in Montevideo, Uruguay. And I had, you know, like other people in Europe, the only place I haven't gotten to yet is India. Right. Cause I, you know, like I use Indian developers from time to time, but I can tell you that meeting with them face to face, breaking bread, having a drink and just sort of, you know, making them feel like they are in fact part of a team, even though they are 6,000 miles away from you is freaking golden. Yep. Right. Cause it just adds so much more depth and it killed you know, the turnover in my company, because these people that I actually did get to meet in person, they're not going anywhere. They like Jeff, you know, they, they remember me as the one that made the effort to fly out over there and go and meet them. And, you know, it's not about money. It's not about the type of work. They just like working with me. Right. So, you know, and it just, you know, it creates warm fuzzies, but at the same time, it's also a strategic benefit, you know, for my operation that, you know, when I can, I try to meet these people in person and it works, you know, so. I think that's perfect. It's not a big sales differentiator. You don't have to invest a ton of money to be a people person and to be people first. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. 
Uh, Steve, can you please tell everyone where they can learn more about your company and how they can reach out to you directly? Sure. So our company is Verblio. It's V-E-R-B-L-I-O. We're at verblio.com. Our website should be, I hope you find it engaging and fun. We try to make it be entertaining at the same time that you can talk about doing high quality content at scale. You can find me. I post a lot on LinkedIn. So I'm at Spockross, S-P-O-C-K-R-O-S-S. I also have a podcast called Yes in Marketing, where I talk to an eclectic, interesting marketing speaker because great inspiration can come from anywhere in marketing once a week. And I post those online and uh, we post a lot of content there. I love it. Steve, thank you for joining me today. This has been a great and engaging discussion. I love talking about this and I'm sure that the audience will get some really good gems out of this conversation as well. Thank you for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable One Big Tip, please go to onebigtip.com slash guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.